Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brennan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your cameras. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 126. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 126 is a good number. We had a short little break. I'm sorry about that, guys. But man, the stress of moving. I told people that we would give a little bit more of an update of that. Here, Here's the short story. Short stories were not moving yet. <laughs> not moving Situation was we had an opportunity yeah. for a studio and it was going to be a great studio slash workspace with office space plus warehouse space, build yeah. a big studio room. It was, it was going good. to be awesome. Yeah. This space that we have right here that we're recording in right now is really decent, but it's tight. Mm-hmm. It's cramped. Yeah. And it Making is, it work, but yeah, it's a little tight. It's literally my bedroom without a bed in it because I don't have any space for a bed. It's just a studio. That's how focused we are. So <laughs> then when I had the opportunity of a bigger space, it was like 1,400 square feet. Yeah, it was. And it had like an upper level that we could totally do videos at and then like an office space above that. And Monster a- ceilings. Four errands could stack high in the ceiling. It was so high up. And so then we're really excited about it and it was half the cost <laughs> of this place. Right. So this guy came back from a trip to Mexico who could show us the place three days into the month and that's kind of when my rent is due yeah we're like let's just hold off don't pay anything keep this going so we can possibly get this other place and i kept delaying and delaying i got an eviction notice on my door it got so crazy we were waiting for it to happen and then and then he said he rejected us (laughs) He's like, what's your business again? He didn't understand what we were doing, what we were trying to do, (laughs) what our business was. Wait, so what do you guys do again? Like, He's had people in there who has like baby clothes or plumbers. And then we come in and say, we We want to make videos. YouTube videos. "Mm, Yeah. (laughs) He's like, there's no way in heck that they're going to pay for this rent. Yeah. So So he looked at our credit report and said, see you guys. I'm like, oh, come on. It's a new business. We got some debt. It's not a pretty credit score right now. But that doesn't matter. We're doing Milky Way photography. It doesn't really get in the way of Milky Way photography. But we got rejected. So then I paid the rent here. We're stuck here. And that was a blow to my ego, I got to admit. Mm. We had yeah, things. Yeah, it was a bit, down, bit, down, bit of a downer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get that out of my ba, ba, mouth. Take two. You want to try that again? We'll edit it out in the next <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so. No. We have, I was just joking, we don't edit mm. things out anymore. And we you know, <laughs> our guest tonight doesn't know that, but she'll <laughs> love that we never edit anything out. Unless, hint to you who's listening in the background, you really could edit something out if you really wanted to. But hopefully we yeah. won't have to. This is going to be a blast. So that's our update. It was crazy. And then it moved a lot of equipment around. My grandfather died and we had to move his home away from everything. I have four couches in the main room over there. <laughs> it's nuts. And we haven't had the work go out what we wanted to, but the podcast back and we're gonna get a lot of cool episodes we have this episode the one you just heard from brendan and drew and so there's just lots of good content right now available i hope you got the cheat sheet so the last thing i'll say before you bring in our guest is if you guys haven't gone
gotten the cheat sheet about the moon and the Milky Way, go to the link that's down below. It is a link to download a PDF. You give me your email where I can send you the PDF, and the PDF is a one-page graphic showing you when the moon is in the way for your Milky Way photography. So basically, mm -hmm. if you look at the moon and it's a last quarter moon, the moon is lit up on the right. You're like, okay, well, um, or is it backwards? I'm trying to think as I'm talking about this. Let me just look at the graphic myself. The graphic right needs now. some explaining because explaining because it is a little weird when you're looking at it. And you're like, yeah. wait a minute, what's going on here? There is a YouTube video link down below as well that explains this graphic, but I thought I had that wrong. Last quarter moon, the moon's lit on the left. And so when the moon's lit on the left and you look at it, you go, oh, okay. Opposite of that is when the moon's up during the night. So if it's lit mm -hmm. up on the left, the night will be lit up at the right. And the right meaning the end of the night. So when you look at this graphic, you'll see how they coincide perfectly as opposites, mm -hmm. unless you're the southern hemisphere and that goes perfectly they have it mm. the moon's lit up on the right the end of the night is going to be it so they can look at that and say oh yeah. first quarter moon the first part of the moon is dark so the first part of the night is dark the last oh, quarter moon the last okay. part of the night is dark so the that's so trippy to me because the north the southern hemisphere i've got to go down and experience it because oh yeah when i was down in like mexico and stuff i wasn't doing photography at the time i was in high school so i was just like you know didn't what care about moon phases yeah. Youth so is wasted on the young. I can't wait to go back and see what it's like. Oh my gosh, yeah. me neither. That is going to be brilliant. Oh, it's going to be probably a tearful moment to capture the, the large and small Magellanic clouds. Yeah, all in one big oh, sky. Yeah, okay, nice. all right. Enough about Photog <laughs> Adventures. You guys get to that link, click down below, join us for more. But if you're excited about learning about Scottish photography, then you've come to the right place because we have an awesome guest. Yeah, today we are talking to Kim Grant. Kim, welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I so, love how you said, oh, is yeah. it finally my turn to talk, huh, guys? <laughs> they finally shut up. I was okay. wondering when you were going to let me say something. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim comes with us from, from Scotland. She's uh, Skype calling with us right now. And, uh, you know, Kim, so on your Facebook um, information about you, it says you started photography when you're 16. Mm -hmm. You've got a YouTube channel, got about 11,000 plus subscribers, which is really good. Good, healthy amount of numbers. Thank you. And um, you just love, you just fell in love as, as a teenager of the landscapes, right? I mean, you've just been out there shooting it and then you just found some great spots to shoot. And we just want to talk to you about Scotland and some awesome places to shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, I absolutely love Scotland. I did, I went out a lot when I was a child and when I was a teenager, I picked up my first camera, very basic compact camera, but just being able to mm -hmm. go out and shoot images was, was amazing. And then when I invested in my first DSLR, my passion just grew from there. And I now spend mm -hmm. my life just traveling around Scotland and um, showcasing the best of what this country has to offer through YouTube and through my photography. And yeah, I absolutely love it. It's great. Nice. When nice. you started going out with your camera, at what point did you suddenly transition to, I know what, I think I'm gonna blog about this and do a vlog. Mm. When did you transition to YouTube? Uh, well, I'd been watching a few YouTube photographers for a while, but I used to be very shy myself. And I just sort of picked up the camera one day and gave it a go. And I never expected anything to come from it. I thought mm. a couple of friends and my family would watch it. And the fact that thousands of people worldwide have started watching my videos, it's just been incredible. And it's I never, never, ever in a million years thought I'd be able to make money from it. So it's it's been incredible. <laughs> I know. It is great. It's great when you can do something like that. It would be great to make money from it. Would it would be great. If we can. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us your secret? Um. I, I, I don't earn very much. It's very little, but it's still, it's, no. it's, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, we, we know. We're there with you. Yeah. I think we're about the same. It's not um, an easy, easy game to get into, but no, it's, yeah. as long as we all enjoy it, that's the main thing, eh? 
I, I think so too. I think when you're passionate about something and you really can show that you're passionate on YouTube and show viewers that you've got things of beauty in your area and you can really showcase that, I think it really does. People tend to gravitate towards that. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. And Scotland's got so much to offer. And, you know, so many people all know about the famous places like Glencoe and Isla Skye. You know, though I go to those places, mm-hmm. I also like to show all those hidden gems and other parts of Scotland that maybe people have never photographed before. Yeah, now, I love that. Without love revealing that. your favorite secret that mm-hmm. you don't want Instagram to come and ruin, yeah. that is something I really wanted to ask him. What places do we have to go in Scotland? Say these photographers listening right now are thinking, I've always wanted to go to Scotland, but how do I plan? What should my top three hits be? Glencoe probably is going to be on everyone's list, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's a bit of a, a, an animal Tourist house trap, trying to get through yeah. there. Yeah. One road or something, and then you get trapped with a bunch of people. If you were to stay away from Glencoe in the most popular areas and without avoid, you know, with avoiding revealing your secrets... What three places would you say is your absolute favorite or recommended for us to go see? See, it's really difficult because Scotland's quite a small country. And I think no matter where you go in Scotland, you're going to be greeted with something. You know, even 10 minutes down Mm. the road from your first location can be completely different. You know, anybody that's coming to Scotland, I would recommend you go to the West Coast because they are the most famous scenes. But if you do come here, I'd recommend, you know, maybe spending a few days there, but then coming towards the east or the north and the areas that are a little bit less traveled. Um, I'm from the Murray Coast and Aberdeenshire region myself, and this is a part of Scotland which a lot of tourists don't tend to come to, really. It is improving now, but it's, it's, not, it's not always been that, that famous. But there's a fantastic spot called Rattery Head here and some stunning sea cliffs in the Aberdeenshire coast mm. area, which is... And incredible and in the summer months are just full of seabirds and from a photographer's point of view it's a never-ending journey of discovery I think so that's what I always say to people if you come to Scotland go to the famous places but make sure you take some time out to see some of the less known places as well because they're just as beautiful in their own way. Is there a lesser known place you've gone to recently that really surprised you and became an instant favorite? Uh, let me think um I mentioned Rattery Head a few minutes ago. That is becoming a little bit more well-known. Um, but there's some fantastic cliffs and places like the Bullas of Buchan, which isn't far down the road from there. And you know, it, it is really difficult to pick one or two places. It's, it's so hard. You know, it's Absolutely. really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So when you think about going to a place with these, with these birds, is it more of a wildlife shot or a landscape shot with birds as accents? That's what I like about a lot of the sea cliffs here is you've got that variety. You can do landscape photos, get great seascape images, long exposure images. You can get crashing wave shots, but you've also got the seabirds there as well, which gives you that variety. So no matter what the light conditions are, you've sort of got choice, which I think is is Mm. great. I think you need variety sometimes. I think if you go out with just one image in mind, you're often disappointed, whereas if you can adapt and shoot different things, I think it can make you a much better photographer. Absolutely. Build off of that, what was an experience that you've had where you did have to adapt? Um... It's, there's there's been quite a number of times I, I've been out and the weather conditions just haven't been very good, you know, there's been, it's been very dull, there's not been much light, you hope for a beautiful sunset or sunrise mm. and it just doesn't happen and I've right. sort of learnt recently that even if you want the big landscape vistas which, you know, you've, you've gone to get, sometimes you've got to focus on the more intimate details, the kind of stream that's below you, the, the pebbles, the rocks, mm. the, the foliage. You've mm-hmm. got to kind of look at your feet or places which you normally maybe wouldn't normally look out with the landscape and focus on those intimate details. 
So I've kind of, I'm kind of evolving my photography just now to try and prevent those disappointing trips so that I can take something away from them. Maybe something that, like I say, a little bit different to what I've, I was originally expecting, but equally as rewarding. Yes. Yeah. You know, I look yeah. at Brendan when you say that because Brendan's not only famous for having said the line that sometimes like there was a really great cactus and then there's a bunch of cacti around me and <laughs> you really should get out there and get intimate with the cacti. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to talk about getting an intimate shot, but he That's talked on about, video too. It's on video of him yeah. saying that he got intimate with the cactus. <laughs> right, okay. But he... <laughs> Your claim to fame. <laughs> I hope not. Oh man, most people have forgotten it. Only I remember it. But oh, I remember. I remember too. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing so much editing right now that I feel like why don't I just quickly share with you that clip that I'm talking about because it still makes me giggle. Actually, some of my favorites were the ones where I got intimate of with some of the little cactus plants and stuff and after the sun had set. That sounds horrifying. So... <laughs> The last thing you want to do is really get intimate with a cactus. <laughs> I've got some intimate portrait shots of the cactus. How about that? Does that sound better? Yeah, less painful. Um, definitely less painful. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing he got down there and got intimate with some of those little cactus plants because, of course, <laughs> you know, that shows that there's a bunch of treasures out there that you guys actually might not know about. If you weren't following Photog Adventures YouTube channel a year and a half ago, what was that? That was the Lost Dutchman video from 2017 in April. So if you guys haven't gone back and watched some of those YouTube Photog Adventures that maybe you didn't know about or didn't think you were interested in at the time, try them again because you might find some funny moments like that that you got to get on the inside of the inside joke. <laughs> okay, all right, let's get back to Brendan's intimate photography. He has go. that focus too, and it's really, really a great focus to get mm. into the intimate landscape and find mm -hmm. something glorious about that spot around because there always is he there went always is something small macro you can do macro yeah. almost anywhere i'm thinking about the redwood awesome. forest if you want to tell her about that because that oh, yeah, is a yeah. perfect example of you doing that yeah i mean so at the redwood forest i mean you're there and these trees are literally 200 feet high oh, wow and you're like how do i photograph this you know because it's always going to look distorted or weird <laughs> or way too big and if you have a person that person literally looks like they're you know three inches tall yeah. compared to this thing and so the scale's way off and you're just like you're just like in a wand conundrum trying to figure out how do I how do I capture this in a way that looks presentable because you're there in person, it's such awe. But then just walking around and looking at your feet, you're like, This stuff is amazing. Look at this fungus. You know, like <laughs> look at these mushrooms. This is amazing. And so yeah, I mean I almost stepped on two things that were just absolutely gorgeous to do macro photography for. And you could just literally just step right on and not even know they were yeah. there. Some people miss that. Yeah. I, I used to be like that. I used to completely ignore those things, be almost oblivious to it. And it was a few of my my YouTube followers that sort of said to me, you know, you've missed all these opportunities mm. that are right at your feet and are right in front of you. And I've sort of learned from that feedback and I'm now starting to, to show that in my photography and adapt to that. Yeah, I think once you buy a macro lens and you start looking for those opportunities and it becomes a lot more fun. Mm. <laughs> So when you think about taking advantage of a trip when it's not working out with the weather, yeah. what are some of the steps that you take to put yourself in the right mindset to get in more of an intimate landscape shot? Yeah, I mean, it can be difficult sometimes. I think no matter you know who you are, no matter how experienced you are, if you go to a location and the weather isn't nice, mm -hmm. sometimes it can be really difficult, really difficult to feel motivated and, and get out there. But I think unless you actually get out there and try, you're never going to know. And I think when the weather's not great or not what you'd expect, that it's a great 
time for you to get creative. And, you know, I mean, I'm human myself. You know, there has been a few trips where I've just said, you know, I just, I can't do this. You know, that's, that's just, yeah. that's normal. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if you can try your hardest to get over that and the majority of the time I manage to and just go out and try, you know, I think that's when you learn the most, when you've got those challenges and you're up against it. And yeah, I've, I've seen so many people giving up just because things aren't what they want it to be. Mm. But that's, you know, you can't progress and, and um, evolve as a creative person unless you just, you just try. You just have to try and get your mind into it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're taking the shot, how do you plan that composition? How do you make it something that you love? What's mm. your favorite way to approach that? It all really depends where I'm shooting. I, I like uh, seascapes the most. And, you know, I love doing long exposure seascapes, but I also love trying to capture that burst of waves hitting the rocks mm. and everything and what I'm looking for mostly is is in my composition I like to look for those leading lines and I also, I also like to look for something a little bit more unique you know people hear of everything you know the rule of thirds leading lines right. and all that and although they are great sometimes it's difficult to it, you want to be a little bit more creative I think and I mean it all depends on where you are and, and, and everything it's but yeah, it's most of the composition that I try to focus on and from there trying to wait for the light and for everything to, to evolve around you. I, I try not to get those iconic shots. as although I do do it sometimes just because you feel like you have to, but I do like to get a little bit more creative and just look for something. You know, get low to the ground, get higher up, change my angle and hopefully create something just that little bit more interesting. Yeah, I yeah. was going to ask you yeah. that. I was going to say, how do you try and get creative? But you go lower to the ground, get something or higher. Can you describe both of those scenarios? Give us some examples. Yeah, well, I mean, I quite often end up lying on the ground. You know, if I'm <laughs> at the beach, I might be looking for some foreground, you know, some crashing waves. There's been times when I've sort of went up on top of walls and stuff, you know, not dangerously, but, you know, just <laughs> yeah, got myself up yeah. a little bit higher to, to get a slightly different vantage point. You know, if I'm at a pier, I like to be on the back wall of the harbour or, but yeah, quite often I like getting really close to the ground. I like showing the foliage and whatnot in the foreground with something else in the background. And even when I'm using my tripod, I normally have it among the lowest settings rather than at eye level. I, I very rarely take images at eye level. Mm, rarely even. Well, just the other day, I went out to capture the sunset and there's a spot by my house. It's about five minutes drive up a hill. And I parked the car and I'm like, I forgot my tripod. I drove all the way out here. <laughs> I had no tripod. Pfft, screw it. Put the backpack on. I'm going up the hill. I'm taking pictures anyways. Like the sunset could be amazing. I don't care if I don't have a tripod. Still going to go for it. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that once. I went to shoot actually long exposure photos of a waterfall. And when I got there, I realized I'd forgotten my Mm. tripod. And, you know, normally I probably would have just turned around and said, what is the point? But (laughs) I found uh, I used my tiny vlogging monopod thing and it was really difficult. But I managed to kind of hold it against the rocks and managed to get a photo just to adapt. Mm hmm. The thing that you said a little bit ago really hit with me with that part of laying in the sand mm. and oh, yeah. seeing the grasses. You felt more part of the scene yeah. and you got more involved in it. I mean, <laughs> you got intimate with the scene, yes. literally <laughs> laying in there and mm-hmm. feeling it, smelling it. Mm. I think a lot of us do photography to enjoy our lives. Mm-hmm. We go out to enjoy the nature around us that we constantly just pass through all the time. And now let's take a minute and appreciate. I think we've all shared that experience when you started doing photography, suddenly looking up at the sky and seeing what the clouds are doing is important to you. Mm. Before it was, uh, you know, just forget it, who cares? And then you started paying really close attention to finer details of the landscapes around you and then to get down in there, to smell it, to be in the sand, and just, ah, I don't know, I could see myself being more zen and feeling more happy coming home from a trip like that than I would coming home from a trip where I just had the tripod kind of 
step away from the scene and didn't get really into it. And I love that. I love that perspective that yeah. you shared yeah. there. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's just I feel like if if you're into nature and into the outdoors and landscape photography, I feel like it's it's all about that whole connection for me. It's and that's what I try to instill in my YouTube videos. It's like this idea of encouraging people just to go out and enjoy it. And I I use photography as a medium to get out. But I, I always, you know, I don't feel often that I have to get, can't go home with loads of images. You know, I wouldn't be mm. out there in the field if it wasn't for photography. But equally, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I still sit back sometimes and just enjoy everything unfolding in front of me. Um, and although I want the images, sometimes I just think it's nice to sit back, feel everything that's happening, listen to it and just take it all in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And after having not gone and done big photography like that in three months, I feel really depressed. Oh. <laughs> I need to get out there. It is. I mean, scientifically, there is a reason to go out and do photography. And that's because um, the negative ions that are created in nature are blocked by us indoors. And so by us going out to places like waterfalls, to places like rocky terrain, where these negative ions are hanging out in denser, you know, they're densely populated in nature and less populated in cities where there's smog and stuff. So there's... You know, there's, there's a reason a our benefit, brains our brains benefit from enjoy. going out. Yeah, mm. interesting. Well, let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast, and let's come back with Kim Grant and talk about some of her very specific adventures that she's had recently. Yeah. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We are hanging out with the awesome Scottish photographer Kim Grant. And Kim, we'd like to ask this question of everybody in the second segment, where. You're out there doing photography, you're camping, and you hit a campfire with a bunch of other photographers you never met before. And as everyone's sitting around the campfire, they're sharing stories. And it finally has come to your turn. What would be one of the stories that you would share? So something I used to do a lot of, which I've not done much of recently, is astrophotography, but mostly photographing the yes. northern lights. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd like yeah. You've got some good pictures in that feed, yeah. <laughs> oh. A few years ago, we used to get a lot of northern lights displays here in Scotland, and I I just found it mesmerizing it was just insane mm. but there was one night when it wasn't for like the aurora forecast wasn't that good but i ended up going out and the whole night the sky was just alive with with the northern lights and i had never seen the northern lights like this in scotland they were dancing right across the sky there was pillars <sighs> the, it, i felt like i was in iceland or something i never thought i'd ever <laughs> nice. have that experience in scotland um, I did end up going back the next day and, and showcasing what images I'd taken on, on a YouTube video just because I was so in awe by it and because I'd gone out and not expected much and then come home mm. with like a hundred images that night. I just felt like I had to share that story. <laughs> but it was just, it was insane. I've never seen anything like it before. I felt like, I don't know, I just felt like I was dreaming. It was, it was so cool. So cool. <laughs> we have only seen aurora behind clouds when we were in the right. Faroe Islands, and we could see the color with the our camera. Highlights and a little bit of spikes through the clouds, but, we but nothing really. see with our naked eye much. Yeah. So I'm curious, those nights that were just nuts, were you seeing it pretty clear with your naked eye too? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, most wow. of the time when we get mm. the northern lights here, it is just sort of a very sort of green glow. But when you get a really good show, mm -hmm. you can see the pinks, the purples. I've seen a blue aurora, obviously the green that everybody speaks about. Oh. But, you know, some I've seen probably about three phenomenal aurora displays here and the sky is just alive and there's pillars right above your head and you know it's just you just wouldn't expect it it's just yeah it's and it's you know it's so mm -hmm. rare as well because you need those clear skies as well as a good aurora mm -hmm. forecast and to have everything come together and for you to be able to see that 
I've just, it's, I always feel like I'm dreaming when it happens. It does not feel like real life. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, man. I think Brendan found some of your pictures and we're seeing yeah, it how yeah. it's basically a gradient from one corner of the frame to the other, from pink into green. It's just awesome. And what I like is every man. display is different as well. Like, I've never seen, you know, every, everything's different. Sometimes you've got massive archers, sometimes you've got the pillars. And you know you never yeah. know what you're gonna gonna see. It's just it's insane. <laughs> this one has this crazy spike of purple pink that is just mm. beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna link you guys down below in the Flickr account that we're looking at right now to see her images, mm -hmm. so you guys can find this a specific image. And do you have an Instagram as well? Kim? I do. Yes. Yeah. It's just Kim Grant Photography. Cool. Kim Grant okay. Photography, guys, get out there right now before this podcast even ends. Promise me, you can't even <laughs> listen to Kim Grant's final parts of this podcast unless you have gone to Instagram and clicked on follow <laughs> because you're going to like some of these images and you're going to love it oh, while yeah. she tells us other stories because, geez, Aurora is going to be so cool. We're in Faroe Islands in less than five weeks, man. Let's... Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's so, pray for clear skies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other stories that you'd like to share? Because I'd love to hear more. Yeah. I mean, Scotland can be insane weather-wise. And, you know, you often hear about people saying, you know, all the storms and everything we get here. But oh, right. one of the most incredible, insane experiences I ever had was I was once up at this part of Scotland in Sutherland known as Forsenard, which um, I was up there doing some voluntary work. And I went out to this lookout tower to take some images of the mountains with some snow on it and I got a few images I wasn't particularly happy with it but as I was vlogging the weather closed in dramatically um it was really quite scary to I was out there on my own in this lookout tower and it was like out of nowhere this gale force winds and torrential rain and yeah it, it was I think it's sort of struck to me about the importance of when you go out with your camera, especially in rural locations, to really be careful. But I think, oh, um, yeah. I mean, although nothing bad happened, it was it was a scary experience for me. And I think, um, but I, I really allowed, you know, the elements around me and feeling this force of the Scottish Highlands that just came out of nowhere. It was it was insane. And I just I don't really know how what else to say. I just think it, it really allowed me to immerse myself in the landscape. It was, yeah. So we're trying to picture you out here. Are you up against bushes, rocks, or just completely cleared out land and the wind and just beating you down and the rain's nailing you? So it was a, it was cleared out land, but there was this uh, man-made tower which you can go up to look at this um, big peatland that they've got up there. Um. It's all to do with, you know, restoring it for um, climate change and all that sort of stuff. But there was, um, okay. yeah, so I was sort of sheltering in there. But even being in this wooden lookout tower, I was the rain and the wind was just coming right down the stairs. And it was it was just hammering in. It was quite insane. But then as I wow. left, there was two deer right outside, just, you know, immersed in this crazy environment. And, you know, I just think it's amazing that, you know, the wildlife are just out there living in these storms and this wilderness. And, <laughs> right. You know, it was, it's a part of Scotland, which a lot of people know of, you know, who maybe aren't from here, the wild highlands. But that was probably the first time that I'd ever experienced the highlands in this true wild fashion. Oh, mm. At any point, did you regret going there alone? Um, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got quite scared <laughs> when it sort of kicked off, but... I was only about 20 minutes away from my accommodation walking. So, um, yeah, I managed to get back mm, and I was okay. fine. I was absolutely soaked, but it was it was quite scary. <laughs> but I think every landscape oh. photographer has had one moment, at least in, in their time, that the weather has changed and it's sort of taken them by surprise. Oh, yeah. yeah and if they don't, they're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not out there enough. <laughs> what did you get out of that? Did you get a shot that you liked? Um, I got one or two images. It wasn't an Im any images that I was particularly that happy with, but it sort of ins it inspired me to go back a few days later when the weather was slightly nicer and try and get images 
that I'd hoped to have got that that afternoon, but because nice. the weather changed so dramatically, it just wasn't wasn't possible. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean it's a good experience anyway. You know, I never regret going out with my camera, even if I come home with no images or images that I'm not happy with. Because at the end of the day, you know, you wouldn't be out there if it wasn't for photography. You just got to take right. the good with the bad and just enjoy it. Oh, man, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Have you gone back out to that area since? I've not. No, it's quite far away from where I live, and it's very remote. So. Yeah, I've gotcha. not been out there again since, but I'd love to go back. <laughs> Fantastic. Any other adventures that you can share with us today? Something that I think I I love so much. So I've, I've mentioned already in this podcast my love for seascapes and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And I think, you know, some, one of the great things about Scotland is the amount of sea arches and sea caves that we have here. And oh, um, yeah. when I was up in Sutherland again on this trip, there was another day when I went to these amazing sea stacks. They're like um, triangles out in the ocean, but you see them from, from the <laughs> cliff tops. And I'd seen photos of them online, but to be able to go there and see it in person, and it was mid the middle of the day, again, a time of day when a lot of people wouldn't be shooting, but to see these in real life and to enjoy them and photograph them, it was just insane. And I think... You know, that's something that I love about landscape photography. It gets me out to these amazing cliff tops to take these amazing images of places which most people would just don't are oblivious to them even existing. You know, if it wasn't for landscape right. photography, you wouldn't know about them. <laughs> you know, that's one of the negatives and positives, I guess, is that they worry about landscape photography or Instagram or other social media being, you know, bringing a spotlight to these locations. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's also an appreciation. And usually the people who are causing any problems aren't our landscape photographers. Mm -hmm. They're people who are just there with family yeah. and friends and they do stupid things. Mm -hmm. so, so, oh man, I, I'm just picturing now your experience out there in the weather and the experience I had in Faroe Islands where the wind mm -hmm. and the storm came and it was just beautifully colored and just a magical mm -hmm. difference of the rainfall there versus what I've experienced here in the desert in Utah, obviously. And so it's just such a good experience. What a crazy, crazy thing. The, I don't have to pack for that kind of experience usually when Brent and I go out, especially right. for Astro because we don't go out unless the clouds are gone. And so we rarely have that experience. So that would be so cool. Someday, someday we got to get out there. Mm -hmm. Those spikes, what was the, do you mind telling us the area with the really cool um, triangular sea stacks? What was that area again? Uh, so it's up in an area called Dunscarb, Dunscarbney Bay. It's right up in the north, northeast near John O'Groats, but slightly to the, to the okay. east of that. Awesome. Um, I have no way of writing Donegroats so or whatever you said, so I can't possibly put the notes down, but we'll say northeast of Scotland, guys, go there. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Let's take our last break of the podcast, and we'll come back with Kim Grant, and we'll talk about the gear side of life. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. In gear time today, we're going to talk to Kim Grant, and we're going to talk to her about her camera setup, the lens she uses, and one of those kind of accessories that she has to go that she can't go out go out with without. So, um, Kim, just real <laughs> totally fast, mm -hmm. what? Yeah, just to be totally clear. One of those things that she can go out with. <laughs> never mind, forget it. Kim, let's talk about your camera. I'm just not going to drop. My brain is just not working right now. So. Let's talk about your camera setup yep. and your favorite lenses and, and that kind of stuff first. So what setup do you use? So I've got the Nikon D7100. Um, I've dreamt of having okay. a full frame all my life. But I've never managed to afford it. So that's the best one that I've been able to go with. But I, I absolutely love okay. it. And I only use three lenses. I've got a Sigma 18 to 50 mil. I've got mm. um, the Nikon... 24 to 70 mil and I've also for lands for wildlife okay. photography I use uh, the Nikkor 70 to 300 mil 
Um, they're all quite nice. sort of medium range lenses. I'd say they're not the cheapest, but they're also nowhere near the expen- most expensive. But um, right, right, right. Yeah, they're they're in, they're in a good budget for for what I you know I think they're in, they're in a good medium range. So. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. setup that I use, yeah. Well, that's encouraging to know that, you know, you don't have to have like the $10,000 setup to go out and do what she's right. doing, right? Yeah. So that's really encouraging for a lot of people who have tighter budgets, um, like myself. And uh, if there was like um, a full frame camera that you wanted to, like what's one of the cameras you're really looking forward to hopefully getting one of these days? Like, are you really in, like really thinking about the, the Nikon 850, something like yeah. that, to upgrade yeah, to? Yeah, that's the kind of one that I'd probably dream of, of owning. Um, but whether mm-hmm. or not it ever happens is is, uh, is debatable. But, you know, I, I'm really happy with the camera that I've got. And I quite like promoting the fact that you don't have to have the most expensive gear in the world to get good images. And I think that's that's something I try and instill in my YouTube videos because, you know, there's hard, there's not that many people out there apart from real professionals who can afford that sort of gear, right. I would say. And you know, um, as I said, I want to make photography sort of accessible to all. So being able to show that you can get good images on a reasonably either entry level or sort of medium grade camera, I think it's, you know, it's great because I, do, I don't think it's anything to do with the gear at the end of the day. I think it's to do with the operator and what you can do with that camera. So, um, yeah, I really like to promote that. So as much as I'd love a full frame, I'm quite happy with what I've got just now. That's awesome. That's really good because that's where a lot of us either start from or are at now. I mean, definitely yeah. didn't start with the full frame camera when I started. And I love some of the images I still got with my very first camera. We really don't want to proliferate the idea that you got to graduate from a crop sensor because you're not truly there yet until you have a full frame because that's right. not true at it's all. It's not. It's not. There's very many good crop sensor lenses. I mean, even like the uh, the Fuji, like X-T three is still crop right you'd have to ask someone else i don't know I and mean, i was just looking at some of the videos i know that xt30 is and xt3 i think as well and so i um, mean i've seen beautiful images come from my crop right. sensor when i had a canon you know 60d and other sony's that are crop sensors and fuji's that are crop sensors and icons that are crop sensors i mean dan linhart has a crop sensor you look at a crop Mike, sensor as if it's some sort of lower lesser costing camera right. but it's not it's just they do end up being cheaper, but there's some lenses that are cheaper than our lenses, but you don't stop using them. We mm-hmm. all use the Rokinon for our astrophotography, and it's a crazy cheap lens. Right. We don't think about it as, oh, I got to graduate from that Rokinon. I have to own a Sigma. I mean, I do want to own a Sigma 14 millimeter, but it's mm-hmm. not something that is a quality control issue. Your crop sensor has a different resolution. That's it. It's still able to take all the pictures you want. Uh, and not even resolution. I mean, resolution can be just as high in a crop sensor. So, That's I mean, true. You can have a 26 it's just a matter of how sensor. much uh, your 24 millimeter lens is showing up that full wide frame. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's something that isn't important, and I'm glad that Kim's adding on to that. And there's another it's a goodness good, to yeah, it. Yeah, it's a really good thing to mark because uh, it's true. We don't have to all have the most expensive stuff to get good good photos. So with you not liking necessarily a statement of this gear is the best, that's the worst. What Mm. is something that you personally have to bring with you whenever you go out? What's something that you always like to use? Um, I think because I do a lot of landscape photos, I don't really go anywhere without my polarizing filter. I mean, I know that a lot of people use that. A lot of people would say that, but you know, you can change so much out of an image and it can just add so much to an image, just being able to have it. I don't use it all the time, but I always like to have it with me just in case. You never know when you're going to need to use it, and especially because I do a lot of seascapes and that it comes in very handy getting the reflections off the water. So, yeah. Yeah, and the polarizer also works really interesting things with the sky and clouds too, right? Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I've really um, enhanced a few images using it in that way. So, yeah. I'm not one that's used a polarizer a lot. I, I haven't yeah. just come across it that much. And so when I think about it from a newbie perspective, Kim, mm -hmm. teach me a little bit. You've probably used a polarizer enough that you have purchased one or two or three of them over the yes. years. Mm -hmm. Have you found one that you'd even recommend that you think is a good quality one without being too expensive? Uh, well, the one that I use now is, is the Lee Circular Polarizing Filter, which um, I know is quite expensive. I think it's about 100 maybe a little bit more um not sure what that is in dollars i'm afraid but um yeah um okay, i did use a few yeah <laughs> I, I did use a few um sort of cheaper entry level polarizers when i was starting it and they did the job but they always had like a horrible color cast or they sort of didn't really help uh, with yeah. the the sharpness of the image so that the lee one is the only one that i've personally used that i've been really really happy with and that i've never had any issues so cool oh, right on good okay. that's what i was hoping to find out nice Sweet. anything else yeah is there anything else kim you want to mention a uh, gear wise to talk about uh not gear wise i wouldn't say no i mean although i've said a lot about not using my tripod a lot i do often make yeah. sure i've got a tripod <laughs> with me just in case um you never know how long i'm going to be out in the field sometimes and the weather can change quite sure. quickly so but yeah, apart from that, as long as I've got you, my camera with me, I'm, I'm happy. Do you prefer a tripod? Does your tripod like really light, like carbon fiber, or do you prefer something with a, bit, a little bit more sturdy and has a bit more heft to it? Uh, so the one I use just now is carbon fiber, which I just prefer because I tend to walk quite far often when I'm out and about. Okay. And I like, again, not having too much with me and too much weight. It's, it, it helps with the freedom. So I would love to have a really sure. bulky one that, you know, would be really good for ensuring it's in the ground for seascapes and stuff, you know, that weight. But... Yeah, the carbon fiber one works really well for me when I'm out walking and, and taking photos. Awesome. Right on. I yeah. love my carbon fiber tripod. You've got to join us, Brendan. Join the I sensation. Will. I will. <laughs> I've just got my tank of a tripod now that I use for <laughs> night photography. That, once you set that thing down, it does not move. Mm. Once you stop being um, so aggressive and beating people up with your tripod, you won't <laughs> need such a heavy-duty tripod. Well, if I wasn't such a klutz, if I wasn't <laughs> you know clumsy enough to fall off of logs and break my <laughs> other tripods that are lesser than I have, you know. <laughs> so Kim, we know you have workshops and we know that yeah. you have your YouTube channel and a lot of places to find you. Everyone listening right now who wants to follow Kim Grant, where can we find you online? Um, so the best place to find me would be in my uh, YouTube account, which is just under the name Kim Grant. It's where I post the majority of my content. I have a, a video art every week, sometimes two videos, um, mm. inspiring people to get out and enjoy nature and enjoy photography. Um, I'm also very active on Instagram these days as well, just at Kim Grant Photography. I love posting photographs I've taken as well as screenshots from some of my videos that I particularly like and even some mm. phone snaps. I do quite a lot of stories in that as well. Um, so that's the main places. Or you can go onto my website, www.kimgrantphotography.co.uk, where you can find out all the information about the, the workshops and that that I'm holding. Awesome. Awesome. Now, you guys promised me when you're listening to this episode that you wouldn't get to the end without subscribing to her Instagram channel. So and right her now, YouTube channel, too. Yeah. You do that as well. So get going on that right now. This episode's almost over. I'm watching you right now. <laughs> Switch your tab. Go to your other browser. Stop driving your car. Get on your phone and subscribe now. <laughs> so Ken, this has been awesome to hang out with you so much. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Well, you're very, very welcome. I've really, really enjoyed this. It's been a, a great new experience for me. And yeah, I'd love to do it again in the future. Thank you.
Awesome. awesome. We are going to be out in the UK area, and so we're hoping we can catch up with Kim in the future if we want to drive that six hours from the UK, the Lake District, up to her place, <laughs> as well as, man, to have you back on the podcast and hear how things are going yeah. after some summer experiences. That'll mm. be a blast. We'd love to have you back. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, definitely be up for that. So thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Hope you guys take this lesson. Take your camera off the tripod sometimes and explore. Get some sand in your shirt. Get down there, guys, with your chest hair and get sand in your chest hair and get a shot of a cool image and just don't experience everything from eye level experience from multiple different options yeah it's a lot more fun that way absolutely so get out there guys and have a photog adventure of your own and get out there and experience the world with your camera yep see you guys see you guys see you kim bye